Well, good evening. So today's gospel is one that kind of can make some people squirm a bit as they hear it read at Mass. And they quickly try to rationalize in their minds that Jesus can't be saying that being wealthy is a bad thing. I mean, after all, isn't part of life all about gaining wealth and about one's net worth, being successful and living the dream? Matter of fact, it's so ingrained in our psyche that we can easily and erroneously transfer, transfer this ideal to our spirituality, just as the rich young man did in the story, seeking out what he needed to do to earn eternal life. See, in the first century Jerusalem, and maybe even some still today, wealth was considered a sign of God's favor. That somehow the more wealth you had, the more God loved you. We want to move this gospel story to a modern day setting. We have a young man, maybe a grad over at Princeton University, who goes on for advanced degrees and makes partner at the law firm and has two homes and a few cars in his garage and well-balanced portfolio, attends and tithes at church each week. He follows the Ten Commandments and even adheres to all the rules and regulations in the catechism. Now he's come to the point in his life where he just wants to make sure, though, that he has eternal life covered. So used to getting what he wants, he gets ready to write that check and to make the purchase as if eternal life was something to be bought. See, it leads to that million-dollar question, one we hear in today's gospel, and that's asked to Christ a number of times. What must I do to inherit eternal life? We're recognizing the point of view this man's coming from. Jesus gives a masterful response. First, if you notice, he sidesteps the adulation of being called good. See, that's one that culturally, during that period of time, would expect reciprocal adulation. He does that by reminding the man, only God is good. Christ then goes through a handful of commandments, asking the man if he's kept them all, knowing very well the answer was that all those boxes were checked. But then he can't overlook the very next line where Jesus said that he loved him. For it's the only time in Mark's gospel that we are told that Jesus loved agape, somebody. It's only later in this gospel when Christ is asked which commandment is the greatest and replies, love of God and neighbor, do we see that word agape love reappear. So by Mark inserting that line into the story, he's making the point of what Jesus is about to do is practicing and preaching to love others. But Jesus sees that this rich young man is rooted, he's anchored to his wealth and not to the gospel. So he tells the man to go and sell everything he has, in essence, break the bonds that he's attached to all his worldly goods, to disconnect all that he has taken a hold of. You see, no matter how much money we have or that we don't have, we are all the rich young man. For we all have those things that we're attached to, addicted to, have rooted ourselves to. 
wealth, social status, appearance, grades, promotions. Those are just a few of the things. But they're all good, but they can be a trap or an anchor which justifies all kinds of behavior and false hope of a future reward. But you see, eternal life is not handed out because we have money or because we're just focused on keeping the rules. It's not something like earning a merit badge. For when we live that way, we spend our energy on defining who gets it, me of course, who doesn't get it, all those who aren't like us, and we turn it all into a worthiness contest. Rather, Jesus seems to be pointing to a pointing us to be less worried about life in the next world, instead focus on life in this world, a life dedicated to loving God and loving neighbor, all of which is much harder than just writing a check. So then what does one do? Perhaps the answer is best summed up from a third-century story taken from the desert fathers and mothers. It goes like this. One day, an old desert father was asked by a young man, what was necessary to be saved? The old man was sitting there making rope, and without even glancing up, he said, you're looking at it. Just as so many of the mystics have taught us, you see, it's all about doing what you're doing right here and right now with presence, with intention, with care for others. And all of that is prayer. It's prayer that allows us to actively participate in God's love which is an activity that requires us not to be anchored to the material world, but takes us out of ourselves and opens us up to the God's ever-presence in our own life. But to do this requires us to really, really look in the mirror and ask ourselves, what are we rooted in? What are we attached to? Is it time to make a realignment of our priorities? Is it time to take a new look at what it means to be fully human, fully alive, fully Christian, to be a follower of Christ? We're going to see in just a couple minutes how easy it is for us to recite the creed of what we believe in. But do we actually take any time to put it into practice? Christ makes it clear in this gospel passage in speaking to this man who he loves that attachments to power and money and prestige and possessions provide a major obstacle for fulfilling our call to love God and others. Or in the words of St. Paul to the people of Corinth, prophecies will cease and tongues still, the knowledge will pass away. The greatest thing that will remain is love. See, what Christ is pointing out to this rich young man and to you and me is that we keep asking the question, what do I have to do to eternal life? But it's the wrong question. The question we should be asking ourselves is, with all or little that I have, 
What can I do today in this life, in the here and the now and being present in order to love God and neighbor, especially the least of my brothers and sisters? For eternal life has nothing to do with the size of your bank account. Eternal life is not in itself a future end game that we're playing for. Christ already told us that he will come back and take us with him so we can be together. Rather, it's all about the kingdom of God, which is always present and begs, begs for our active participation. Not anchored in all that we have, but focused on being who you are, grafted to Christ, and who you can be for others, bringing the kingdom of God alive, right here, right now, today and always.